good morning and welcome again to St. Paul's. My name is Tyler. We're so glad you're here, especially if you're visiting for the first time. Just glad you, glad you came this morning. As we begin, I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that you send your spirit now upon us so that your word spoken and heard might reveal to us the living word, your son, Jesus Christ, and that we might see his face. We ask it in his name. Amen. So our sermons this summer, if it's your first time with us, uh, our sermons this summer are digging into the Apostles' Creed, which is an ancient summary of what Christians believe. And this week, we're starting the third section of the creed and the line that kicks it off, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I want to start this week by getting personal about this, because if there's ever something to get personal about, it's the Holy Spirit. For those of you who have been here for a while, you may have heard me mention that I wasn't raised as a Christian. I converted as an adult. I'm coming up on the 20th anniversary of my baptism. And the the longer I'm a Christian, the more I believe that this claim this week, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the more I think this is where the faith really stands or falls. And I don't mean to minimize any other section of the creed. These are the essentials of Christian faith. But the fact is that it's possible for me to believe all the things that the creed says about God, the Father, and Jesus, his Son, and believe them as concepts. Like, this is my worldview. But without it ever getting real to me and for me in my life. I can go to church for years and years and believe all of it. But if it never comes home in my life, I'm missing the whole point. And Christianity without the Holy Spirit is like winning the lottery and never cashing in your ticket. The way that all of this comes home in our lives is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go so far as to say I believe in the Holy Spirit is perhaps the most jaw-droppingly audacious claim that Christianity makes because it takes all the other stuff that we say, which is wild enough to begin with, that God made everything, that God became human, that God died for you, and then it says that that God, as the Holy Spirit, lives in your heart. Not some generic deity, not some yellow label, no-name spark, some amorphous, more-than-this spirituality. No, but the astounding God claimed by the first two sections of the creed, that self-same God takes up residence by the Holy Spirit in the hearts of those who belong to Jesus. The night before Jesus died on the cross, that's what he promised to his friends, that and nothing less, that he would send them the Holy Spirit to live in them, and that through the Spirit, he and God the Father would live in them. And also that they, his friends, would live in God. He in them, and they in him. And what this means is that if you have the Holy Spirit, you go through your days carrying God around with you. And you go through your days, you're in God, traipsing about in the Spirit, like it's the spiritual oxygen you breathe, the atmosphere that you inhabit. And yet most of us, me included, go through most of our lives as if everything is just kind of normal and as if things are as what they appear. And we're insensate to this sea of divinity that we are constantly swimming in, even, even now, even right here. Some of you will have grown up in branches of Christianity that put 
a great emphasis on the Holy Spirit and the works of the Spirit. Scripture talks about believers being filled with the Spirit, like a cup filled to overflowing, and miraculous things happen, like prophecies, speaking in tongues, healings, and cards on the table. I believe in all of that stuff. I think it happened. I think it still happens. The world is way weirder than we think. But Scripture is also pretty clear that this is not anyone's day-to-day experience of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is something that like happens to people in certain times, in certain places, occasions, but that's not what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about today is what it means to believe in the Holy Spirit on an everyday basis. What it means to carry the living God around in your heart while your life looks otherwise pretty normal. But in our context, which is the Apostles' Creed, what does the Creed say about the Holy Spirit? Nothing. The Creed gives no content. It doesn't, say, it doesn't say much about God the Father, but at least it tells you. He's God the Father. He's almighty. Here's what he did. He made heaven and earth. It's got a lot to say about Jesus, but then it says, like, I believe in the Holy Spirit and keeps on going, as if you know who that is. So, like, what do you believe in? But I actually think this lack of content for the Apostles' Creed, there's plenty to say about the Spirit, but in the Creed, I think the lack of content, the silence of the Creed on the Spirit, is actually really important. Because on an everyday basis, again, not talking about the extraordinary experiences of being filled with the Spirit, on an everyday basis, the work of the Holy Spirit is to reveal God the Son, Jesus Christ, who in turn reveals God the Father. Think of the Holy Spirit like a window or a mirror. Because when you look at a window or a mirror, you're not actually looking at the window or the mirror. You're looking, at, uh, you're looking through it to whatever it reveals or whatever it reflects. Like a window in a wall, if it's not stained glass, uh, opens up something that's otherwise hidden. And a mirror reflects something that's otherwise out of view. You can actually only see a window or a mirror itself when they're flawed or dirty. But a perfectly clear window or mirror is invisible. It's transparent. And the Holy Spirit is perfectly clear. And this is why believing in the Holy Spirit isn't about primarily about believing this or that about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit doesn't want to be the focus of your attention. The Holy Spirit wants you to focus on Jesus. Here's the takeaway from today's sermon. The Holy Spirit continues Jesus' work in and through the lives of believers. There's a lot to say about the Holy Spirit, but fundamentally, what the Apostles' Creed wants us to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit continues the work of Jesus in the lives of those who love and trust him. So with that in mind, let's turn to the reading from Romans we heard this morning. Because here we're seeing exactly how Scripture describes the Holy Spirit continuing Jesus' work in the lives of those who love him. Now, a quick note here. Our reading this morning is super technical. Like, thank you, Dan, for for reading that in a sensible way. This is some quantum metaphysics here. So it'll be helpful if you follow along in your Bible or Bible app or Pew Bible. It's going to be toward the back, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. While you're pulling that up, a bit of context. Our reading is a section of a letter sent by St. Paul, an early church leader to the church in Rome. And up to this point in the letter, Paul has basically been explaining in great detail uh, why the world is not the way it should be. 
In a nutshell, Paul says, the problem is this. Human beings aren't faithful to God, their creator. They forgot God. And this makes them act poorly. And that's why the world is messed up and we're all guilty. But rather than responding in wrath, Paul says, God has offered forgiveness by sending Jesus, the Son of God, into the world. And that's basically where our reading picks up. Remember, we're looking for how the Spirit continues the work of Jesus in believers' lives. Let's go. Romans 8, verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the reason for that, the reason there's no condemnation, the reason those people aren't condemned for the things that they're guilty of, is because, verse 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Here it is, right away, the connection between Jesus and the spirit. Those who are in Christ aren't guilty because of what the Spirit has done, which is to say, set us free from the law of sin and death. But what does that mean? How did the Spirit set us free? Paul is glad you asked. It starts with Jesus and what he did, verse 3. There's a lot here, so we're going to break it into three parts. First, God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Remember, we're talking about what Jesus has done. Okay, so what this means is that God gave a law to God's people, which basically told them how to live good lives. But they couldn't follow the law because it was weakened by the flesh. Now, flesh here doesn't mean our bodies, like the fact of my skin and bone, right? Flesh isn't our bodies or their needs per se. We have bodies, we have needs, they're good. Flesh is Paul's way of describing a body that's become a slave to its own desires. A body that belongs to itself, in a sense. Uh, And basically, the way we use our bodies for bad things. So, have you ever done something that was bad for you even though you knew it was bad for you? Like an extra slice of cake even though you knew it'd make you feel sick? An extra drink or three? You did something with someone you knew you shouldn't be doing stuff with in the first place? That's flesh. Flesh is why we're ruled by that law of sin and death, Paul mentions in verse 2, why we do bad things that are going to hurt us in the end. And flesh is why God's people couldn't keep God's law. Okay, second part. God did what the law couldn't do by sending his own son, Jesus, in the likeness of sinful flesh. So in Jesus, we say that God became a human being with a real body. That is, in the likeness of sinful flesh. Same body as the rest of us, but it's the likeness of sinful flesh because Jesus doesn't sin. He had a body, but it's not flesh in the same sense it's being used here because he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, it didn't master him. It didn't own him. Which is to say that Jesus shows us, God sending Jesus, shows us that the problem is not our humanity. Like, I was made this way, right? Like, I can't help it. It isn't our humanity, but what we do with our humanity. Jesus shows us that the problem isn't bodies. Bodies are created good. But our sinfulness, what we do with our bodies. Part three. And to deal with sin, he, God, condemned sin in the flesh. So that's how God dealt with sin. He sends Jesus to be part of a sinful world to get into the muck and to the dirt. God leaving the realm where God lives and and becoming one of us. And when Jesus dies on the cross because he's God and innocent of sin, he takes all that sin with him into death. That's what condemned sin in the flesh means. That's where God condemns sin to, to die with Jesus. But when he rose again to life, he left all of it in the grave. Like if you dunk a dirty dish into a, a, a pot of, uh, of, of soapy water, it comes out clean. 
And God does all this for a reason, Paul says, and here's how it gets real for us. God condemns sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law, just requirement of the law, that is to say, living good, generous, humble, kind, most of all loving lives, might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but the Spirit. In other words, Jesus' death has set us free from flesh and its rule over us. The rule, which is the law of sin and death, that we do bad things that are bad for us. Jesus' death has set us free from that rule if we want freedom. And in its place, God has given us the Holy Spirit to be our guide. It's like a spiritual heart transplant. It's like replacing a doomed, rotten organ with this flawless ticker that's never going to fail. And this isn't just some random spirit, but the very spirit of Christ, if you see verse 9 if you're following along, uh, that lives in the hearts of those who love him. It's Christ's spirit. All of this is pure gift. We don't deserve any of it. We didn't earn any of it. But it also leaves us with a certain responsibility, Paul says. You've been given the spirit, he says, so act like it. You've been shown the way, and you've, given, you've been given power to walk in that way, so you've you got to do it. You're invited to a wedding. Are you going to show up in your sweaty workout clothes? But it's hard. It's hard because from before we can talk, we develop the habit of doing as we please, of, of satisfying ourselves instead of others, of loving ourselves instead of others. We, we develop the habit of serving ourselves. We've spent so long obeying the law of flesh, So you've got to actually put to death the deeds of the body, like verse 13 says, because you're changing laws. You're changing the the way that you behave. And it's like if you move from the UK to Canada, you can't keep driving on the left side of the road. And you do this because to receive the Holy Spirit is to become a new person. As verse 16 says, it's the Spirit that tells us we're children of God by letting us cry out to God as Father, rather than some sort of featureless higher power. If you have the Holy Spirit... You are a child of God. Does your life reflect that? And you might be wondering if you have the Holy Spirit. Is this this the thing that I have? I got my phone, my wallet. (laughs) Did I leave home today with the Holy Spirit? And how to get it if you don't? And what it means to live by the Spirit anyway? And if you are wondering this, you are on the right track. Because knowledge of the Holy Spirit is basically the most important thing in life. It's, it, it's the reason you are alive. Because seriously, what could be more important than friendship with the God of the universe who will take up residence in your heart? Like what errand is more important than that? What task? And here's the short answer to the question. Do I, do I have the Holy Spirit? How do I get it? If you've been baptized, you have the Holy Spirit. Full stop. That's what scripture promises as God's gift through God's church. I didn't make the rules. I don't care how neglected your faith is. That's not the point. You didn't get the Holy Spirit through your own effort anyway. Now, if you ha- more on that in a second. If you haven't been baptized, of course the Holy Spirit can work in your life. The Holy Spirit is why you're at this worship service right now instead of like a brunch. But the Holy Spirit only abides, like takes up permanent residence with those who love Jesus and obey his teaching, because it's Jesus' spirit. It's Jesus' spirit. And Jesus told his followers to be baptized. So if you love Jesus and you aren't baptized, you should do that. You should get baptized. Like, I'm just going to put that bluntly. And here's a no-strings-attached offer. I will baptize you, like, right there on Sunday, November 20th, if you want it. 
Our baptism preparation class starts September 18th. Email me. Find me after the service. We will get this done. But in any case, here's the deal. Having the Holy Spirit, which if you're baptized, you do. Having the Holy Spirit is not the same thing as living by the Holy Spirit. And that's where a lot of us, including myself, need constant reminders to change what we're doing because those habits of the flesh die hard. Earlier I described the Holy Spirit as a mirror that reflects the face of Jesus. And this mirror is in our hearts and it's showing us what to do and how to live and it gives us power to do that. But the problem is that if we don't live accordingly, it's like we take the mirror and we stick it in the attic of our hearts and then we put some boxes on top of it. You might think, well, I know what Jesus wants me to do, but here's, think of it like this. A mirror and a photograph will both give you a perfect representation of a face, but the photograph, no matter how good it is, is a static portrait, whereas a mirror is a living image. And a lot of us are living that photograph faith. Like, I think I know what the face of Jesus looks like. I know what he wants. I know what he wants for my life. And oftentimes, this will manifest as a rule-based Christianity. Like, go to church and don't break the, you know, the major laws, you know, speeding, uh, and, and you'll be good. And there are so many ways to live that aren't wrong, but which deny the Spirit. Like, you can pay your taxes, you can be faithful to your spouse, and still be totally bound to the law of the flesh. Totally blind to that living image of Jesus that is in the mirror of the Spirit. Because the fact is there's so many ways to live that aren't like mortal sins, like not go to jail stuff, but which destroy your capacity to know the spirit in you. It's too much uh, time, focus on pleasure, status, and wealth, spending your time and effort on trivial things that don't really matter, and becoming negligent in prayer, deadening your spiritual senses with too much food or drink, uh, excessive anxiety about passing concerns, the headlines, the feed, uh, irritability, uh, a quickness to anger. And lest this come across as holier than thou, like if you're wondering where I got this list, it's all the things I did this week while I was preparing this sermon about the Holy Spirit. God have mercy on me. But this is the nature of grace, that God will be faithful even when we prove faithless. So just hear this. The Holy Spirit is not waiting for you to pull up your pants and get rid of all the things in your life that keep you from hearing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is waiting for you to ask the Holy Spirit to get rid of those things. Because you never had power to do that in the first place. So what we have the power to do is to call out for God's help, the God that if God, the Holy Spirit is living within you, lives within you and will respond. So what are those things? What are the things that, is, that are making you insensate to God? What in your life stands between you and God? What tethers you to the flesh, the law of sin and death? Ask God to set you free from those things today. And you know God will answer. Because we believe in the Holy Spirit. Amen.